On this episode, we discuss Marmaduke, the other one. What did we do to deserve this? <laughs> Dear God, what did we do? <laughs> And welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen here to bring you an episode during the spookiest part of the year. December. Mm -hmm. Early December. Ooh. Wait, I thought it was still November. Ooh. Uh, Well, we're recording this November, Stu, but but it's going to be released in early December. Okay, because I'm still nutting. (laughs) (laughs) In case anyone didn't listen to the last... Came into in case my anyone didn't listen to the last episode, Stuart is still nonstop <laughs> masturbating for nonstop not November. <laughs> you know, you but gotta, you Stuart, gotta keep this episode's up. being released in Don't Speak December, the month dedicated to the No Doubt song Don't Speak. Oh, no mm. kidding. Okay. Well, uh, yep. finally, the song's going to get some credit in addition to <laughs> airplay, I'd imagine. Yeah. Finally, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this is actually not a podcast about <laughs> gross things <laughs> like jism or. Or uh, don't speak the hit song from No Doubt. Hit song from no Doubt, which is yeah. I guess don't listen to the back catalog then. <laughs> uh, this is about <laughs> bad movies. Uh, a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. In this case, uh, Dan, Mar- why did we do that? Why, why did we give ourselves this premise? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's had its why? rewards. Let's not pretend it hasn't. Sure. But uh, several years on, there's just a time. There's a time when a when a grown man finds himself shortly before his forty first birthday yeah. watching the Marmaduke animated film and wondering why why how is this yeah. possibly the best of all possible worlds? Just like the Doughboys premise has uh, you know ground them down physically, this has ground us down emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only consume garbage. Um, so this is not, which is also what the Doughboys is about. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is not. The Marmaduke, uh, starring the live action one, <laughs> quote live action with CGI animals starring that dog Owen was Wilson. CGI? Uh, well, I guess this is also CGI, but <laughs> it was a man or CGI. But um, we did that one. You might remember we already did talked about Marmaduke starring Owen Wilson. We did that back in 2013. That was wow. that was episode was almost 10 years ago. I yeah. we watched the live say action Marmaduke. Don't go back and listen to that one. <laughs> I'm probably not. I mean, it's it's episode 131. So by that point, I felt like I feel like we we were starting to become human beings. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But grew up a little bit. Um. Yeah. yeah. And this is, as I said, you know, I was keen on doing this, so we complete the MCU, the Mar- Marmaduke Cinematic Universe. <laughs> uh, the Marmaduke crap universe. This one. I mean, you got to say though, the, this this one makes the other one look like a work of genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just looking when I was like, when I was going to log this shit on Letterboxd, uh, I saw the poster for the other (laughs) one, which features Marmaduke wearing sunglasses. And I'm like, oh, to have watched that movie instead. Speaking of Letterboxd, (laughs) I sent you a screenshot of the score. And out of like almost 2,000 reviews of this Netflix Marmaduke, the average score is 0.9. That's the average score. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That is insane. <laughs> that means there's that means there's one score that says ten stars perfect, and then mm-hmm. almost two thousand other scores that say negative ten. What's the yeah. maximum star rating on Letterboxd, Dan? Uh, five star. Oh, okay. five star system. Oh. So, so point I wonder how they hacked the system to do ten stars. I don't know. Oh. 
Yeah. They got, uh, you know, they got hackers in their payroll. So uh, do we do we need to talk about our history with Marmaduke? <laughs> I mean, Marmaduke, I think, you know, Marmaduke, he's a big dog. That's the whole premise. He's a big dog. For, uh, this is, okay, so I, I tr- uh, let me give you a little behind-the-scenes backstory of the Kalen household. Uh, my kids have lately been very nostalgic for when my older son Sammy guest starred on the Boss Baby episode. They've been mm. wanting to listen to it a lot. So when I said I was doing Marmaduke, a kid's movie, they ostensibly – uh, even though there's one joke about a man's wife hating him that was that was a little rough for a kid's movie. But uh, the they my, Sammy was like, I want to do that episode too. Explain to me, who's this Marmaduke guy? And I was like, well, he's a big dog. And they were like, like Clifford? I was like, not that big. He's just like a regular size large dog. And they're like, but how big is he? The big size of a house? No, he's he's just like a dog. He's just a regular large dog. There's nothing, yeah. he's not monstrously big. And so the phrase monstrously big became the way that we were describing things. And Sam was like, oh, I thought he was going to be monstrously big. I was like, no, he's not monstrously big. He's just regular big. And uh, long story short, I told Sammy if he did if he did his chores, then he could watch the movie with me. He did not. <laughs> and so he was unable to watch the movie. And while I, I stopped, I was got a half Dodged hour and I stopped the movie. And I went to him and I said, Sammy, you should not watch this movie. I was like, you, I would, th- this would be like if I poured garbage in your eyes and ears. Like you should, you should, you're better off not watching this. But he kept wandering into the room where I was watching it to ask me questions about it. So now Sammy has this this strange kind of fetishistic fixation on <laughs> yeah. the forbidden Marmaduke yeah. movie. That's kinda- but I was trying to explain, but I was trying to explain Marmaduke to them, and they like couldn't understand. They couldn't understand the humor implicit in a. Slightly large dog getting in the way and being clumsy. And to be honest, guys, I can't. I mean, I guess at this point, you know, this is in the tradition of sort of like soft observational, like down home humor, I I guess. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a strip. It's a one single panel comic, I guess, for that's, that's the fucking trick for just do a single panel (laughs) for owners (laughs) of big dogs. Take a nap. Like, (laughs) Other people who own large dogs and like think it's so hilarious their travails owning a big dog probably have a Marmaduke this is a, and this comic is a, on their this is fridge. A comic strip that, this is a comic strip that's been going straight for going on for almost seventy years straight. It started mm-hmm. in nineteen fifty four. This comic is all is only a couple months younger than my mom, and yeah. yet it is somehow. I, I don't. It's I, it's it's made seventy years out of this dog's big and doesn't realize how big he is. Like, yeah. it, I guess is it people. the way that is it the way that like. Funky Winker Bean lasted for a long time off of band teachers. I think just so. Just clipping out the marching band comic strips, yeah. putting them up on classroom walls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how Dilbert still survived despite the creator being a horrible human because there are <laughs> office workers out there in the world who need yeah. a calendar. He's also he really very dumb. A horrible person. Oh, he's, he's not just horrible. He's also an no, idiot. No, he's also dumb. Yeah. yeah, he's also dumb. <laughs> not since Johnny Hart. <laughs> stopped being an alcoholic and became religious has a comic strip that lost its humor and the and the guy behind it lost his uh lost his lovability uh, let's say mind yeah lovability yeah. yeah not not until not since johnny hart started doing comics heavily implying that christianity was the replacement for judaism <laughs> has, has a comic strip creator gone from hero to zero so yeah. fast All right, okay let's, Marvel, let's yeah let's get into this movie so of course wait wait go, before we get into it I just oh, no. ask, where's the fred where's the fred bassett movie huh Where's that? Yeah. Where is Fred Bassett? If we're, doing strips, if we're doing unfunny comic strips about dogs, Ellie, you're Fred the one Bassett? living in fucking Hollywood. Why don't you ask all your neighbors? You're yeah. right. Physician, heal thyself. I should be out pitching this right now. Yeah. So we got five production logos. That's a good sign, right, mm-hmm. guys? Five of them. <laughs> Always. One of them is Netflix. Uh, okay. So we get a little animated when, title. When one sequence. of the production logos is a publisher. You know you're mm-hmm. you know you're going to watch a good movie. So yeah. we get a little bit of an animated title sequence. It's kind of like lightly animated, kind of in the spirit of like an '80s comedy. 
Uh, and there's a funky Marmaduke song that I think is a oh, funky horrifying Marmaduke. precursor Crossover. of what's to come <laughs> later on. It is foreshadowing. You're like, oh, a funky original Marmaduke song. What's this going to mean? Well, it, it uh, foretells something even more horrifying. Before we get too far in, I just want to say that one of the production companies uh, is One Cool Animation, part of One Cool Group Limited, a a, a uh, production company whose first film in 2014 was Naked Ambition 2, uh, which is a, you know, it looks like a Hong, it's a Hong Kong movie with a, a busty lady on the front. Uh, so that's like th- this, this, this production company seems to mostly specialize in non-animated films to no one's surprise based on the quality mm, of the animation mm, in this, uh, in well, this movie. Well, would it, would, would it, would it make you feel any better about it to know that this movie is being, is, was directed by Mark Dippe, director of the live action Spawn yes. from 1997. No kidding. Yeah, he directed the live action yeah. Spawn and then also after that, mostly a bunch of straight to video animated things that look even worse than Marmaduke if that's oh, wow. possible. But Yeah, I mean, he's, he's well, he's well involved with comic strip movies because he made Garfield Gets Real, Garfield's Fun Fest and Garfield's Pet Force. Mm. So. so after the opening credits, we do get the actual animation style of this movie and how yeah. would you define that, Dan? Because you've already alluded it is, uh, let's say, unappealing to the eye. It is not as bad as Food Fight, but I it, it looks like what I suspect Food Fight <laughs> the looked like. The faintest of praise. <laughs> the faintest possible praise for animated film. It looks like what I suspect Food Fight looked like before the hard drives were stolen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of the assets in the background are clearly just like pre-made things that have been bought and like shuffled around, like trees place to place or mm-hmm. a house. And everyone describe the character design for us. Yeah, how do these? Uh, how the do these character characters design work? is? I would say that uh, like most of the humans are blobs with like stick arms, and mo- many of them have stick legs. Other than the mom, who is fucking dragging a wagon, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anthony style. Lane broke into the <laughs> into the design room, being like, <laughs> "Elastigirl is not enough." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's add some more junk to that trunk. She looks and, like she's about to go on a girls' weekend to Miami. You know. She also. I don't want to focus too much on this, but it's it is impossible to ignore. She's wearing these like terry cloth shorts that have more camel toe than I am comfortable with for a children's movie. And if Dan's uncomfortable with it, okay. Well, uh, great. Well, they really like you said they're really going for that positive Anthony Lane review. Yeah. So yeah. let's and. and so, Wait, so you mentioned you mentioned this funky Marmaduke song. Let's just say one thing: the soundtrack of this movie is not good, but it is working hard. Yeah, the soundtrack of this movie is constantly working so hard to suggest to you that this is the funky, fresh, cool for the '90s Marmaduke that we've it. all been waiting yeah. for. Yeah, it is, with the it is voice the of Pete Davidson as, on the Marmaduke as Marmaduke. You know, everyone now, thought is, like, who this, could capture Marmaduke? Only the power of Pete Davidson. Uh, man Pete, famous Pete for dating people, as far as I've been able to discern. Pete, Pete Davidson uh, uh, doing a voice performance that I would describe as, I would not know it was Pete Davidson unless his name was clearly listed in the credits. It's yeah. not necessarily a distinctive distinctive voice. And only only the minorest amount of shade being thrown here. But if I were to, I would just not assume that a professional actor did this performance. No, I was surprised that the, yeah. the, the, the father is played by David Keckner, like the head of the household, uh-huh. uh, Marmaduke. It's a heavily uh, restrained performance by David and Keckner. Yeah, yeah, he does not sound like anything. He sounds like he just, you know, we joked about uh, Eric Roberts recording from the bathtub. Like, I think this these, these sound like voice memos he put yeah. on his phone. Yeah. 
it's the weirdest thing is when you're watching a clearly kind of I assume low budget animated direct to Netflix movie. I think it was supposed to be released in theaters, but I don't know if it ever was. Uh, I guess there's a box office total on Wikipedia, so maybe it was. Uh, and the most energetic voice performance by a little bit is coming from J.K. Simmons as as yes. As, yes, as, as Zeus, as, who, yeah. an Academy Award winning actor who I don't know why he's involved in this at the moment. He you is know? the one person not entirely phoning it in. Probably it, it money. Ori likes uh, Ori likes Marmaduke <laughs> a lot. It was not. It maybe was, he loves Marmaduke. Yeah. It was not released theatrically in the U.S. It was released in other markets okay. theatrically. Okay. So just to give a little much, bit of much background. The way the, much the way the T-shirts for losing Super Bowl teams are sent to other countries <laughs> yes. to be worn by, by those who, who don't have enough first world rights losing to the winning league teams. Losing <laughs> of the two Marmaduke <laughs> films and we're sitting in it. So a little bit of background. Yeah. Uh, Marmaduke is a Great Dane who is large and clumsy and poorly behaved and he lives with a family uh, whose name I do not remember, uh, who are kind of fed up with him. They live they're in the, the suburbs. They're the, uh, they're the Winslow family. And it's a suburban neighborhood that kind of looks like the uh, suburbs level from Hitman 2 if you had to dial the, like, <laughs> resolution down so that you didn't, like, uh, you didn't have a lot of lag mm. in the game. Um, so Marmaduke is not allowed to go to Billy, the son's uh, birthday party, due to some past indiscretions that we are kind of <laughs> lightly in, uh, uh, suggested. Something about a bone, uh, yeah, et cetera. Uh, Marmaduke is trapped upstairs, and he has to watch all the kids have fun in the pool, and uh, he gets to watch the father, Phil, uh, cooking uh, meat, which he describes as cooking my favorite, which is hilarious. <laughs> it was a very good voice read. Uh, I also, Marmaduke is being treated as if like he's going to understand the cause and effect between like this punishment and previous, uh, you know, problems that he's caused. And Marmaduke is a dog. Huh? Like he, he's being punished for doing with the dog voice things. of a man. But he has, it's also it's also never totally clear whether other characters can hear him talking, and he's yeah. a dog who learns martial arts. It's so true. I think they I think they could legitimately expect him to understand consequences for his actions. Could be could in be. this universe. Now, Dan, you're our you're our cartoon expert. Uh, uh -huh. Does Marmaduke normally talk in the comic strip? No, Marmaduke is just a dog. <laughs> he is a force of nature. He is a, yeah. He's he a, some kind of a natural constant. Yeah, any talking is done about Marmaduke, not yes. by Marmaduke. <laughs> So he he's kind of like Godot, is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So Marmaduke gets distracted. He falls asleep on a bed. He has a weird dream. And then a bee attacks him, and it forces <laughs> him to jump out the window where he lands in a swimming pool, which causes causes a massive tsunami. Tsunami. <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, I just pulled a Marmaduke. Uh, yeah, boy. It causes yeah, this, like, massive tidal wave. It like drowns everybody <laughs> at the party and floods the interior of their well, they're home. They're like surfing on it's it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so this is like a a big inflatable pool at a party, uh -huh. roughly the size of a bounce house, let's say. Yes. And there's enough water in it to yeah, to flood a town. It's it's crazy. Yeah, they're surfing on it. It's a huge wave that it's it's it like it takes cartoon physics and takes it into the realm of biblical miracles. I am yes. so glad that you mentioned cartoon physics because I wanted to bring this up, Elliot, where, like, I have... I'm a little dispirited by the fact that, like, Pixar, that, you know, a great company that's made many, like, m like masterpiece-level cartoons, but, like... Yeah, what are we going to have to disavow <laughs> from what Dan's about no, to say? I'm just, like, their style has been... has become largely... I mean, people are breaking out of it now. But it, for a long time, it was largely the default style for animation, and it has 
cartooniness in it, obviously, but it, you know, like the idea of like wacky cartoon physics kind of got mm-hmm. eliminated because of the part of that's because of how uh, cart- like computer animation works. It's hard to do the sort of distortions that uh, you know you can do in two D animation and make it look not horrifying. But like, you know, so I'm not against wacky well, cartoon you're, you're physics. You're right that, that but, a lot of a lot of C, a lot of CJ animation has become about how real can you make it look, mm-hmm. as opposed to how funny can you make it exactly. look. Exactly, and and so I would love more wacky cartoon physics. But the cartoon physics in Marmaduke bear like so little relation to how any two objects would interact that any possible comedy is smothered under like the weight of it. I'm just glad I wasn't there when Isaac Newton was watching this movie, just like with his head in his hands being like, no, 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 no. That's, I spent so uh-huh, much of my yeah. life understanding the rules of the universe. He's <laughs> torn his eyeballs out. Yeah. <laughs> he just pulled an apple from a tree and hit himself over the head with it until yeah, he was unconscious. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that rant was not as bad as I expected. I thought Dan was going to be like, I wish it, oh, more movies were like Wicked City and shit. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy, What's dude. City? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Even the kid movies? <laughs> I'll look this up. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's see. So footage of Marmaduke. Oh, you haven't seen Wicked dis- City, Dan. Uh, I don't so there's think this so. spider lady, okay, and she is <laughs> okay, not a very good enjoy. first date. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just just hit Wicked City GIF, and you're gonna get some Adding good stuff. Adding to watch list on Letterboxd. <laughs> uh, so the footage of him falling out of the window goes viral and draws the attention of the world's greatest dog trainer, uh, Guy. I think his name is. I, I want to say yes, it doesn't just draw the attention. This is. A hilarious setup because, like, the newscast on the fact that this this video has gone viral, like, starts out just as like a a, a news report on this video, and then the news reporter is like, "Well, this dog is clearly untrainable. Even the world's greatest dog trainer, who has retired <laughs> from training dogs because there are no challenges, could couldn't do this." And the guy's sitting there watching it, and I kind of respected me. the movie for going that far and. The <laughs> fakeness of the setup. <laughs> that, that, that the news reporters are not just—they're uh, not just reporting on the news, but they are inciting they're and taunting real people challenges. to get the movie going. <laughs> the, the welcome to INN, inciting news network, <laughs> the, the news channel that makes movie plots happen. Yeah. Now I want to talk about Guy for a moment. Guy is set up as if he's going to be the villain of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like he's—he seems like he's scheming. He has some sort of. He's using Marmaduke for his own ends, and the movie seems to lose interest in that characterization of Guy fairly quickly. And he also seems Stuart, to be maybe uh, a match for Marmaduke. Like, when he first introduces himself to the family, mm-hmm. he shows that he is fast enough to keep Marmaduke from eating treats off of a plate. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, and he is he forces Marmaduke to do all this training. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of that training cuts into his time uh, running around pretending to be a horse so that the <laughs> son of Billy can ride around and they can chase King Tut the cat who is in the role of Black Bart, a outlaw. Uh, what, and, sorry, now that we've brought up the cat, I just want to ask, like, mm-hmm. what's Marmaduke's relationship to the cat at the beginning of this movie? Because at the towards the end, the I cat becomes an ally. And I was like, did I miss something where... <laughs> A change of heart occurred, or like why yeah. There's, this? there's the cat. It again, similarly, it seems like they're setting up a classic rivalry, dog and cat. But yeah, the cat turns out to be Marmaduke's biggest supporter yeah. and biggest champion, and uh, and in the end, well, it's the cat, spoiler alert, we'll la- get to it. The cat later explains 
Marmaduke would never do uh, allow any harm to come to the family, which is kind of a wild thing to say. <laughs> Since Marmaduke's constantly harming the family yes. by accident. And also like well, his his powers ultimately are limited. Like he it's not like he can like prevent financial ruin or like some kind of horrible medical condition arise. Like you never know. <laughs> the, the cat is becomes a it becomes uh, an integral part of Marmaduke's later uh, show-stopping uh, dog show performance, as we'll see when we get a to it. A show-stopping performance that be- is never scored. They receive no <laughs> scores whatsoever. I guess it's just implied <laughs> that it's perfection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and but at, at a certain point during that performance, we'll get to it, I guess, the cat is doing all the work, mm. and Marmaduke is doing none of the work. Yeah. But anyway, this cat, it's a, I guess what, what you're saying, Dan, ultimately, is the character motivations and dynamics are a little mushy <laughs> yeah. in Marmaduke. <laughs> So the, this, this has real this has real uh, second draft problems in that I think there was no second draft of the script. <laughs> <laughs> it has it has real it has real. We need to start making the movie in four hours. Energy. That's kind of what what it's got. Yeah, and very little narrative thrust because there is a point we'll get to it like partway through the movie where I'm like, I guess the main the main part of the movie is over and we're moving on to something else now. It turns out that's not true, but yeah. I, I, I felt that way for a second. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, the the first day of training where they're training out in the park, it basically devolves into this like martial arts battle mm. where Marmaduke becomes obsessed with the promise of learning a magical kick technique from uh, from his <laughs> trainer. Um, he then and then we get like a montage where he's getting trained in posture, impulse control, and agility. And there, the montage involves him failing at all these things, but then all of a sudden he can just do them all. Yeah, he gets whacked yeah. with a lot of tree branches along the way, uh, it, including in the in the nuts, and he reacts particularly to that. Which here's the problem: if Marmaduke hasn't been fixed, not that not that I not that I'm huge with with uh, taking body parts out of animals. That's yeah. not something I'm normally about. Unless the animal is dead, I'm going to eat that body part. But mm-hmm. if you really want to control Marmaduke's energy. Yeah. You gotta you, you gotta get him fixed. Come on, Winslow's. This is on you. This, like, yeah, you, that's, you, that's you, the issue. Mar- I'm that that Marmaduke is entering Pond Far constantly and <laughs> sure, just going yeah. just going he's wild. Entering Kemmer or something. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, at the completion of his training, he manages to earn his name back because he his name was <laughs> taken from him by his trainer at the beginning of their training. He was simply Dog. Now he has a name. Marmaduke. Yeah, this is a this is a real nine and a half weeks move on, uh-huh. the, on the part of the of the trainer <laughs> to be like, you don't have a name anymore. You're just dog. You'll get the name back when you prove yourself. Just like nine and a half weeks, <laughs> super fucking hot. Yeah, just like nine and a half weeks. <laughs> I'm gonna eat all of this food off of you, Marmaduke, and you can't. You have to control yourself. You can't have any of it. <laughs> control. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we then have a local dog show where we're introduced to mm. J.K. Simmons. A local dog show that is also one of the two levels of dog show. Uh, yeah. There's this only local two. dog show, yep. and then the world dog show. Yep. Is the only two levels. Which, which is funny because. Uh, though the 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 sound of the crowd at this dog show sounds immense, <laughs> S- seeing sounds the stands, huge. there's maybe 24 people there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, one uh, of those people though is is Michael Winslow, who came to see the Winslow family's yep. dog, and he's doing the sounds mm-hmm, of a crowd. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we are introduced to J.K. Simmons, who is in the role of Zeus who is some kind of like an Afghan or like wolfhound dog. Yeah. Uh, and he has the shiniest coat. His trainers are these two like vaguely European twins. Uh, yeah, they're like the, was it Nelson? Was that the band? Yes, that similar to Nelson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. the his his coat is so shiny and shimmery, we get multiple shots of people just like obsessively wanting to fuck this dog. 
Mm. Humans, yeah, they, other every dogs, single member everybody. of the of the cast gets sparkles in their eyes from this dog's coat and are almost hypnotized as later they will be hypnotized by the beauty sheer beauty of Zeus uh on the outside because inside Zeus is a really ugly character. <laughs> what is it? I want to ask these two Nelson-esque uh trainers who are kind of like Euro stylish, you mm-hmm. know, like uh what is it about that persona that is that seems to keep popping up in kids' movies, especially. It feels like that was a 90s joke to me. It was the kind of like, oh, what is this? Oh, it was so fancy, like that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it like the Ferdinand movie has a characters like that also. It seems and later on this movie indulges in a series of 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 stereotypes. But the but like what is it about this thing, these things that are kind of like outdated adult comedy things that end up in kids' movies and kids have no frame of reference I would for them as far as I chalk that up to you. As a comedy writer who is occasionally lazy in this way himself, uh, it is you? lazy comedy writers <laughs> recycling things that they saw and uh, putting them into their scripts because they don't respect the assignment that they're on. And they're like, <laughs> "All right, that's fair. kids will eat this crap up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's just give I mean, him some slop. It, it does remind me of something I was told at the at the Who Was show uh, when I was working there, where uh, <laughs> the head writer was like, "Was like, kids don't know it's hacky for us to do a comedy rap sketch. They've never <laughs> seen him before. Let's do one. We could trick him. <laughs> so because this yeah. is a so maybe that's it. New so to them because this is a smaller dog show, and because uh, Guy has retired and he doesn't want to draw undue attention to Marmaduke, Guy has to go undercover. He dresses up uh, kind of like an abusive hipster boyfriend type character with like... Oh, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say his dis- disguise was like Matthew McConaughey in the beginning of Dallas Buyers Club. Like that's, okay. that's what he reminded me yeah. of. Sim- similar vibes. Uh, Zeus sabotages yeah. Marmaduke by tempting him with the awards banquet, uh, which Marmaduke <laughs> devours all of the food that was laid out, which first off, it's like the, ca- the there's so no caterers food. around. There's so much food. I, I <laughs> they, There's no is, chafing dishes. Thing with, with cartoon cartoon catering, they just leave all the food out for mm-hmm. hours with no one touching it. And there's also all kinds of foods. There's like a wedding cake. There's a whole turkey, yeah. which the uncarved, of which is bonkers. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I don't know if these are dog macarons or just like regular. Yeah, it's, or human. it's unclear who this who this banquet is so for. He, for the he, owners, he eats for the all dogs. this food and he gets like comically fat. But yeah. his body, the rest of his body is very skinny and bony. So he kind of looks like the flea women from the castle level in Bloodborne. <laughs> which is not cool. Like, yeah. this is levels of body horror that, like, David Cronenberg would see and be like, okay, this oh, is, yeah, that's this real great, Marmaduke. No, Good I, job. I do want to, yeah, I want to, I, <laughs> I, I like, I've been working on that Cronenberg impression. I agree with Stuart here. <laughs> no, that was a great, you really captured the Canadian aspect of Cronenberg and also the, that he likes to approve of things. Uh, that's something that I, that I think. Oh, think, boy, yeah. that's, that sure is disgusting. <laughs> well, boy, well, I'm sorry if, I'm sorry if existence was a little too much for you, that kind of thing. I don't yeah. care. I just like orifices. <laughs> no, I, I, he calls like, them orifices. I want to, I want to assure you guys, I understand Marmaduke is not real, <laughs> it's a cartoon character. <laughs> Okay, good. I That's the very, first step towards accepting the reality around you. I was still recognizing very what is not part of the reality. Distressed yeah. by this scene because Marmaduke's belly is so distended. Oh, he's in such pain. He's like yeah. writhing around, and there's one point where like the camera gets really close up, so we like really see like the short hair fur texture, the the computer <laughs> fur texture just takes over, and it looks like I don't know, like rustling like parts of like a, a brother's quay. <laughs> <laughs> Short or something. It's gross. 
There's a brief moment where he lets out an enormous fart and his body gets skinny again. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, maybe the uh, maybe the troubles have passed. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, maybe this is a last King of Scotland moment. And he <laughs> yeah. just had a huge fart. Maybe all the mass inside him has somehow yes. been absorbed. Mm-hmm. Into mm-hmm. The- well, unfortunately, <laughs> that is not the case. Uh, he uh, he kind of he blows up again uh, and he just can't stop farting. And he looks at the camera, and uh, there's a moment where he looks at the camera and says, "Uh Mm -hmm. uh-oh, and then runs toward the doggy bathroom area, only to stop at the first place trophy, and he takes a horribly bad shit that stops Mm -hmm. time, covers the (laughs) entire grounds in, like, a greenish gas, and enough birds birds are falling out of the sky dead, I can assume, so that they form, like, a mountain of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Marmaduke. Yeah, that was the last flock of passenger pigeons, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, has murdered several birds at least, possibly human onlookers. We don't see the aftermath. I will say, I will, well, you, we'll, we see is because everyone's frozen in time as we pan past them as they experience this gas fog. And uh-huh. I have to admit, this is a thing, this was a moment where I was like, okay, this is a funny, I don't find this funny. I don't find the idea of Marmaduke taking a huge shit funny like but the passing pot by everybody frozen in time with this very dramatic music that was a funny idea for it uh-huh. and then yeah then it ends on a huge pile of dead i can only assume that you ran over and you dragged your son into the room to watch this sequence yeah like no if only because if my son was watching this he would have loved it he would have loved because oh, my okay. kids think nothing is funnier than poop Farts, butts. Again, the the height of comedy for my kids is the minions' pants fall off, and then and then a real turd falls out of their butt. That would be the most the butt. funniest thing they could imagine. Like a real you know? real turd, like a like a live yeah, like action a photo, turd yeah, like like it, like as if Terry Gilliam snuck in and put and clipped a, pee, a poop out of a magazine and then added that to the animation. Yeah, interesting. Okay, because I thought it would be like you know. Much like dog training, you would be coming in and rubbies, rubbing Sammy's face in Marmaduke's <laughs> shit, being like, see, this is what you wanted. This is what you uh-huh, wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Was it worth it? Yeah. But, Man, but I, I feel like in a, I feel like in a few bad years, dog training. I want to make it clear to anyone listening. I feel like in a few yeah, years, no, like that, Elliot's yeah. sons are going to like steal a phone and they're going to start their own like poop and fart based TikTok channel just to drive Elliot crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's drive how, me crazy until it, until they monetize it yeah. and suddenly they're superstars mm-hmm. and I can afford to redo my bathroom. Yep. Yeah, that'd and be then, great. Uh, Elliot will become their like cool agent guy or an ascot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, that always works great when a parent becomes the, the representation for his kids. <laughs> there's all of as history. They, there's they, never been a problem. As they reach the levels of fame that I always wanted, and now I'm both proud of them and ang- and resentful of them yeah. for being more successful uh-huh. than me. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. that's a good that's a good emotional stew. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the kids are now social pariahs <laughs> so anyway, because so, they're so Marmaduke. So Marmaduke shat all over the trophy. Yeah, he yeah. shat all over the trophy. Uh, he didn't win. Big surprise. Uh, the kids are now social pariahs <laughs> because their dog is gross, which feels like a stretch. Yeah. It does. Well, this is a viral video. Again, this is a viral. This goes viral also, and all the kids are making fun of them. Your dog is gross. But again, if they, if these kids, they're a little older than my kids. But if they're anything like my kids, my kids will want nothing more than to be friends with the kid whose dog poops all, all over everything. <laughs> like they'd have so many questions about the dog's poop, they'd want to see it pooping. Yeah. The other day, uh, Sammy out of nowhere, he goes, "Daddy, didn't you say once that uh, you saw a video of a chimpanzee peeing in its own mouth?" And my <laughs> wife was like. 
don't talk. We're at the dinner table. She goes, don't talk about that. That's not real. Don't say that. And he was like, but daddy mentioned. I was like, well, I did once see a video of a chimpanzee peeing in his own mouth. And he had so many questions about it. It was the thing he wanted. He wanted to hear about more than anything else. <laughs> I know, I'll be like, I'll be like, Sammy, let me tell you about this holiday that we celebrate as Jews. It's a part of our heritage. I'm not interested. Tell me about the, the, the chimpanzee peeing in his own mouth. Wait till he finds out about the guy that was in the fucking mosh pit. I think it was at like an origin show who's like in the middle of the pit and he just whips his dick out and pees in his own face. It's crazy. You got to look at this video. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. It's yeah, crazy. I, I mean, that sounds I like something it I should see. Crazy, but, but I don't want to look I, at it. <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I don't want my kids I, to see that. Is... But it, or, or for instance, another example, they've never seen it, but they've heard many tales of the videos I've seen of hippopotamuses swinging their tails oh, around yeah, like a propeller one. while they poop. So the poop flings everywhere. I learned recently why they do that. That's, that was not a, a trick that one hippo did. Okay, That's a thing all male hippos spill, do. Baby. Yeah, yeah. What's the details? It's just a way. It's just a way of spreading their scent in order to okay. attract okay. mates and and yeah, and kind of mark their territory. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? Uh, and honestly, if you had a tail that you could whip around like a helicopter blade, you'd do it, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so but, at yeah. this point, Marmaduke's pretty depressed. The family's pretty depressed. There's like a kind of like sad, depressed dinner scene that feels mm -hmm. like something out of the middle of Hereditary. <laughs> and this is the point in the movie that I referred to before. <laughs> where like look I've seen movies before I know that this is not over I know that there has to be something but like it really seems like the way that the movie is done somehow makes it seem like okay we've abandoned <laughs> the idea that Marmaduke is going to be a star like and I'm like that can't be right we're 40 minutes in <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, guys I want to I'm looking briefly at the Wikipedia entry for Marmaduke and I just wanted to give a shout out to whoever wrote the plot summary because they, I want to read two sentences for you about the previous scene we were just talking about. Please. It says, before, before one lap around the field, Marmaduke releases voluminous clouds of noxious flatus, which envelops the entire field. Marmaduke soars through the air and lands backside down in the winner's trophy, releasing his innards to the great dismay of all present. <laughs> and I, just, I, love that there's, that, I don't know I don't know if H.P. Lovecraft or Harry Stephen Keeler stepped in to write that yeah, part of the Wikipedia yeah. entry, but oh, excellent work. <laughs> Poetic. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so uh, they also receive a huge bill from Guy the trainer, which uh, Phil, the father, had suggested uh, they were expecting to pay out of Marmaduke's winnings, which is like, oh, man, you That's got scammed, wild, brother. Uh, and, also the, and also the winnings are a million dollars. I don't know if you guys saw the numbers on this bill. It equally it easily adds up to over $20 yes. million. Dollars. Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> at, one point, at one point, it charges them like $400,000 for, for one aspect and over a million for another aspect. It's like, Guy is really inflating these bills. Yeah. You know, this is, it's all those hidden fees. Mm -hmm. I thought Biden was going to take care of that stuff. That's yeah. the that's that's the real dog shit in this movie. It's not what came out of Marmaduke. It's this uh, it's this guy's bill. So Marmaduke runs away from the family because he feels like he has let everybody down. He's hearing the all the naysayers' voices in his head as he runs through the rain, only to be stopped by King Tut, the cat, who convinces him to that <laughs> not no, the mummy. Yep, King Tut the mummy. Uh, King oh, Tut the cat. Uh, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a left turn. He he said if, if King Tut the mummy showed up, Marmaduke, I need your help recovering my heart from the British Museum. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds like a caper, King Tut. Uh so Marmaduke uh decides that he is going to try and uh convince Guy to come back and train him again. Guy's not having it. He is uh, he is sick of Marmaduke. Marmaduke has ruined his career. Uh so Marmaduke decides to run around the world like Forrest Gump kinda. <laughs> And uh, he does the only thing he can do to prove that he has what it takes to be a champion dog. And in a very short montage, runs around the entire earth, mm -hmm. including swimming under the ocean and being chased by a giant shark. This is the point. Yeah. Well, all right. There are a couple things in this montage 
Number okay. one, like he's shown running towards he Alaska. He runs up a pyramid. You don't think up, it's he, realistic? Okay. He's being shown running yeah. to Alaska, and there's a sign that points to Siberia, which is in Russia, and he never goes to Siberia and Russia. At no point during this whole thing mm-hmm. is yeah. he going well, to. We see, well, we see him go from Alaska to, to Russia briefly. You know, we don't see him in Siberia, like a scene of it. We see him on the map. He walks across. I assume the I assume the land bridge that was there when the earliest humans came to the North North American continent. I assume it's still there in the Marmaduke universe. I don't think he does. I think he goes over to like he like we see him cross over to like like Korea and then go down through China because he goes on the Great Wall of China. We'll put this in the we'll put this in the goose section that it's promised that Marmaduke goes to Siberia, but we don't actually see it. It is a montage. Either way, this is like a, a. a nutty montage, like like chased by sharks on it the Great Wall. It comes out of nowhere. And yeah. this is a part of the movie where I'm like, okay, the movie's been wild up until this point, but surely this is a dream sequence as we've had Marmaduke dream sequences yeah, before. Yeah. No, this literally happens in the movie. He wins back the respect of his dog trainer by running solo around the kind world. Of. It's funny because the trainer is still resistant until the family basically humiliates him into yes. taking Marmaduke back. This was the moment when I, uh, to be honest, up to this point, I found this movie pretty boring. Mm. It seemed like it was a, it was they hadn't, but then suddenly he runs around the world, and I was like, okay, <clears throat> this movie is getting, this movie's getting a little strange. Mm-hmm. Like that, Marmaduke one can accomplish this, two thinks it's going to solve his problem, and three that it's tossed off so quickly as like a, as a almost nothing. Like yeah, of course, Marmaduke runs around the world, the kind of thing that you might find in folklore. Like if Marmaduke yeah. was yeah. Paul yeah. Bunyan, uh-huh. and they'd be yeah. like, well, then he ran around the world and up the pyramids. But uh, that they then just they reject it so quickly so it can go back to the larger plot about Marmaduke as a dog show <laughs> contestant, mm-hmm. which is not it's like the movie briefly became a movie and stopped being an episode of the Marmaduke TV show. But then, yeah, they go to the they, the trainer is still not convinced until Billy t- calls him a failure. And he is so overjoyed to finally be called a failure. Yeah, that he has, this he has a humiliation fetish. You, <laughs> is that what it is? Because I like I could not anatomize this. I was like trying to figure out. Where that where in his in his speech that he gives it made any sense what he was talking about and it but if he has a yeah clearly fetish, that makes more like sense. he's just yeah. not he's so used to winning that he just needs somebody it's it, you know like when you're dealing with somebody who's as powerful and has so much charisma as guy the do- world's greatest dog trainer like he uh-huh. just wants somebody to knock him down a peg that's I, the only way he can get off <laughs> I mean this made sense logically to me like they're making the point that like it's basically a poor workman blames his tools point of like you're calling marmaduke a failure but if you're really the greatest dog trainer like you failed and like well, you but have to I, show I, that, that makes sense that makes sense to me but instead of him vocalizing that he's kind of like finally i've been called a failure thank mm-hmm. you thank mm-hmm. you little boy for yeah. calling me okay. a failure thank you for being the person who called me a failure yeah for by calling me a failure you've reminded me Failure. Yeah. That's the failure. And it was like, I, it, it felt like the Vatican scene in Aline where it was like, how many uh, times is he going to say the yeah, word failure? Yeah. <laughs> like what's, but uh, but it just it, it just feels like a, it's especially a, the one-two punch of this this scene after the Marmaduke running around the world scene. I was yeah. just so, I was so mind boggled by the fact that the movie was like, well, there's only one solution. Marmaduke's got to run around the whole world. <laughs> and you know what? We're not going to spend that much time on it. Yeah. So a uh, guy pulls some strings and gets them entered into the World Dog Championships. Uh, we now flash forward pull, to the big city. Pull some strings by, 
Uh, wait, this is what, it's something I want to hold on just for a second. Is uh-huh. he calls? I guess the head of the World Dog Championship, who's this woman who seems to have a crush on him, and he's like, seems and keep, to. She's, well, she's like anything for you, guy, and he's yes. like, and keep your schedule open. Remember that dinner place I took you to? Oh yes, well I'd love to. But then a couple scenes later, guy sees her and is very nervous about talking to her, and is like. It it seems like their dynamic has suddenly shifted yeah. entirely. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just good over. He's, he's way nervous. better over the phone, you know. Well, no, I mean, but, oh, but at first, <laughs> I do think it's set up as if like this is a manipulation he's going to do on this totally lovelorn person. But instead, they're both like bashful in love with each other. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really he he he's he has a, he has kind of an almost heel turn very early in the movie. But then he's a, but then he's I guess he's a pretty boy yeah. when it comes down yeah. to yeah, it. Yeah, becomes you know? a baby face. Um, okay. So, baby face, uh, yeah. That's what I meant when I said pretty boy. I meant baby face. So then we get, I mean, he's also, I he's pretty also boy a pretty Nelson. boy. I was thinking of pretty boy Nelson, the gangster. We then, uh, we then get a, uh, we get the arrival of all the other dogs that are competing. These are dogs from oh. other countries. Uh, these are dogs that in many cases are racist stereotypes. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, hey, there's a Chihuahua from Mexico. Guess what his favorite food is? Hey guys. Oh no. It's a taco. Uh, hey, guess what the talent of guess what the talent of the Chinese dog is? Kung fu and mysticism. Yeah. And apparently rapping, although that doesn't get mentioned the as part of the part description. Rapping was the best part. Yeah. The French dog. Yeah. I I looked up Chant- Chantrell. Yeah, I looked up who did it, and it's a professional voice actor, and I. I don't know. I looked it up because I'm like, this French accent is so bad. I'm sorry to the voice actor who did it. Um, I think it's probably less an indication on her talent because she appears to be highly in demand and more an indication of she correctly clocked the amount of effort she needed to put into this Marmaduke movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, these are all pretty bad, like ethnic stereotypes uh yeah we get some scenes of like zeus uh talking shit uh to all the other dogs we're also introduced to a really cool muscle dog from england Vinny. i'm a big fan uh <laughs> so we actually get to the uh the competition itself um and we uh in i think the first category is they have the dogs have to show their self-control so they are mm-hmm. presented with their favorite food that has bacon added to it. So Juan Pedro, the dog from Mexico. There's, and this is another case. They say the word bacon so many times yeah. throughout this sequence. And it, and this is another case where it feels like kids are getting kind of leftover jokes. We yeah. all remember the period about, what, 10 years ago where bacon was suddenly the funniest food. And it mm-hmm. was around the, like, I feel like there was a hipster joke catalog that was like, unicorns, bacon, handlebar mustaches, mm-hmm. uni- uh, and uh, pirates. And Chuck Norris. They, and now kids get that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, and what? Chuck Norris. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Norris. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I also, like, look, I realize it's a cartoon, but I'm like, this is not something that happens in a dog show where, where we Wait, see they other they dogs can no, Dan, resist tell, food. No, they don't yeah, present pour, each pour dog with their, their favorite food that has additional bacon added to it. So Juan Pedro is presented with a bacon taco, mm-hmm. which he is, of course, unable to resist. He bites it and is, I guess, cast into limbo. He is... Uh, disqualified for the competition. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's sent to the Phantom Zone. I, I will give the I will give the movie credit for not having him say Kiero Taco as like as a nod to the mm-hmm, old Taco Bell commercials. Yeah. That's kind of reference to an old thing kids won't know about that you might see in a in a kind of second or third. Yeah, Strange except for movie. otherwise he is that character. But he sure. is that character otherwise entirely. Yeah. Uh, after getting some inspirational words from uh, G, the magical dog. Uh, <laughs> Marmaduke is able to resist the slice of bacon pizza he now, is presented what are these with. Magical, what is this yeah, magical tell us what the magical advice is. 
uh, that he has to be become the bacon or be the bacon, I believe. Yeah. So to Marmaduke, defeat the bacon, he has to become the bacon. Yeah, he imagines that his own face is coming out of a portal, a magical <laughs> portal that is in the middle of the slice of pizza that's presented to yes. him. And weirdly so, enough, the portal goes extends to the rear side of the pizza slice yeah. where Marmaduke's tail is sticking out. You might be <laughs> wondering... Is Stuart making this up? He is not. This is what happens in the film. No, no. And <laughs> this, this is not is, a and whimsical this, this, flight uh, of fancy. <laughs> no, this and this hallucinatory simulacrum of uh, of Marmaduke. Uh, he he t- tells Marmaduke, "I'm the bacon. I'm you. I wouldn't eat me. Would you eat me? Would you eat yourself?" Yeah. And it's like we, the. I think it, we're, <laughs> it's just like science so of the lambs. How, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd eat me. Would you uh-huh. eat me? Yeah, then Ray, Ray Liotta comes out noshing on his own brain. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Yeah. Uh, don't knock layers it till you layers, try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it's one of those things where uh, what we're seeing doesn't make sense, but in this case, they go so far to explain the reasoning to Marmaduke yeah. so that he won't eat this piece of pizza. But I guess it works. You can't knock success yeah. because, yeah. Stuart, what happens? He doesn't eat uh, the pizza, and uh, hooray, he, I guess, survives to the next round. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, get- who do- and who does eat the pizza? Uh oh yeah, his trainer eats the pizza, right? <laughs> There's this weird running gag of guy eating all the food that Marmaduke wants to eat and eating it the way that a snake would eat it, where he just <laughs> drops the whole thing into his mouth and his throat just pulls it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's trying. He's showing off his throat of game for this woman out. that he's interested in. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so uh, during the agility competition, Zeus Stewart, how would how would Game of Thrones be different if it was called Game of Throats? Oh, uh, that already exists. It's on the Brazzers Network. <laughs> <laughs> okay, forget, forget I asked. Never okay, mind. so uh, during the agility competition, Zeus, who performs quite well, uh, attempts to sabotage Marmaduke <laughs> by using some of the uh, Zeus Zeus's brand of shampoo. Uh, now, Zeus, at both of these dog shows, Zeus has had a setup of shampoo to sell uh-huh. his own brand of shampoo. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a conflict of interest. That he's both a contestant. And and also has a merchandising table right in the in the uh, competition area. Well, right? that sounds like it's there's something wrong with that. Perhaps that there's some corruption at the higher mm-hmm. levels, which we, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. this is just a clue. Um, so mm-hmm. he squirts yeah. uh, some of his shampoo, and Marmaduke gets it all over his feet. Um, and but somehow his natural clums, clumsiness works out perfectly, and Marmaduke is able to complete the skills, the agility competition perfectly, except. At the end, he accidentally injures his trainer, Guy, and Guy has to go to the hospital, and Marmaduke won't be able to compete anymore. Now, I want to say, when he slips and slides his way at great speed through this obstacle course because he's got, he has stepped in shampoo, like, this shampoo seems to be, like, self-generating, like... He keeps having more shampoo come out of his paws as if, like, you know, he's on, like, a sketch comedy show where he has to, like, throw up and they have, like... A tube, the tube through the sleeves. sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot. This is amazing shampoo. It lasts. I mean, it's ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Yeah, and it's, it's a dress. It's expensive dog shampoo. And also, uh, I think there was a missing scene where, uh, where in order to defeat Thor, Loki gifted Marmaduke with the ability to absorb elements that and then also uh, make them part of his body. Uh, and so he, this, he's using that tool here to absorb the shampoo and thus generate more shampoo. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but you, with- I think, I think there was. Because Thor was going to be part of this movie, and then Marvel pulled out of the uh-huh, last minute yeah. of making the Marmaduke Cinematic Universe part of the Marvel Cinematic uh-huh, Universe. Yep. And so they had to replace Thor with the mom with the huge butt. Uh-huh. Yeah. But with a trainer in the hospital, they yeah they can't compete, which I was like, really? They can't? And as as we see through the movie, <laughs> like that is dispensed with 
pretty quickly. very quickly. The, the family's like, oh, we'll just do it. And yeah. they're like, okay, that's fine. Um, so well, we then, the, the dad has had a real, uh, we'll say emotionally, the dad has had a real turnabout. The dad was always the one who was like, Marmaduke needs training. Marmaduke's a big problem. Uh-huh. Now he recognizes, you know what? Marmaduke's great. And he does have a trainer now. Team Winslow, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you can have a, a family as your as your trainer. Yeah, Dan, you're the expert also- on dog shows. Can you have a family <laughs> yeah, as trainers? Uh, I think my expertise ends at knowing that you don't just put food in front of them and say, <laughs> can you resist it? But yeah, uh, I can't. Let's talk about the talent. Oh yeah, the talent show. Okay, so the ta- <laughs> oh, talent wow. competition is where things get good, guys. Uh, my favorite dog, the muscle dog, manages to deadlift the entire building and one yeah. pitch gives <laughs> him a fucking it, eight himself. out of 10. It's crazy. Yeah. These judges are bonkers. That's so much weight. It's that that dog is not just the strongest dog. The dog is the strongest organism that has ever yes. existed on Earth. Yeah. And yet, eight out of ten. That's eight all out of ten. Gets. It's wild. Especially he's lifting the building that he's in. Yeah. Which, talk about Especially because physics. That should be impossible. The next the next talent is Chantrell, the French dog, doing as they describe a seductive dance. Mm. <laughs> they do say seductive. And people which lose is their weird. fucking minds, and she gets a <laughs> nine out of 10. Well, they're so what? horny for this dog, Stuart. You don't oh, understand. Yeah. You were there. Oh, man, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, Xi, uh, the Chinese dog, does this like dance battle that also kind of turns into a rap, but not really. And there's magic, <laughs> yeah. and there's spears no, flying the do- around. Now, here's, I had to rewind this part because. There's rap on the soundtrack, and Xi's mouth is kind of moving, but it's not exactly timed, uh-huh. and it's not super clear. So I was like, "Is Xi supposed to be rapping, uh-huh. or is?" He, but and I guess he is. Yeah, it's just like, and so the whole a, thing. It's a, the whole thing ends in a yin yang symbol. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty cool. And his and he was performing with his surprisingly scantily clad trainer. Everyone else is wearing. Just regular clothes, yeah. regular everyday clothes. But this trainer is always is in kind of like looks like uh, a Soul Caliber like, character. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're, we're you know in like a like you know uh, martial arts bathing suit or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a weird choice. The whole this whole moment is a strange talent. Yeah. But it's, it, it's a, it and I would still, say I'd be like, "Gee, pick one lane and stick with it," because you're trying to combine too many. Yeah, things. Yeah, I don't know. I still think it was pretty cool. Um, okay, before and then you we deliver got, this meal to the judges, take one element off the plate. You got too much yeah, going on. on the I plate. guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. But it's at least it's well seasoned. That's the thing. The worst is when <laughs> they bring the, the well, food yeah. out and it isn't fucking seasoned. Like, come on. No, yeah, no, it's like, look, it's cooked. Yeah. It's it's cooked perfectly. The seasoning is spot on. I'm just not sure. What is this dish telling me? And What's the, other the philosophy thing is, behind like, this dish? If, if the main element of the dish is the wrap, you got to respect the wrap. <laughs> you got to put more. <laughs> exactly. That has to be the star of the dish. This okay. was a wrap challenge, and yet you're giving me a martial arts dish with a yeah, little bit of wrap exactly. in it. And I've, I've got to dock you points no matter how delicious the dish is. It's mm-hmm. not meeting the challenge. I'm sorry, G. Pack your knives and go to the next round. Well, yeah, G. I didn't like your performance. I loved it. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, Zeus then performs, and his talent is basically hypnotizing everybody in the audience using his the luster of his hair. Yeah. Um, yes. And he kind of hypnotizes everybody. Themselves yeah. And making them act like dogs. It's very sadistic. And here's okay. Here's an issue that I have with with Zeus. Zeus is convinced okay. he's Roxanne? the best. 
Yeah, well, one, where's Roxanne? And two, Zeus, that was not okay for you to appear before all those women as different animals and weather and things like that. I was going to say. And make them have your babies. That's not okay. <laughs> Zeus, why, you're canceled. Why <laughs> in modern pop culture, like in this movie and No Holds Barred, is Zeus portrayed as a bad guy when in Greek mythology, he's only a good dude, right? No, that's not. Even in Greek mythology, he's often a bad guy. I think that's something I admire about the Greeks. He doesn't cause problems. And don't admire. The ancient Greeks, they were like, gods? Yeah, they're just like us, but they're worse. Like, gods are just bigger jerks because they're bigger people. Um, Whereas they, they, they they didn't have truck with our modern notions of morality. They're gods. Look. You'd see a picture of Zeus carrying a big thing of kitty litter in the in the parking lot, and it would say, Zeus, he's just like us. The gods, they're no different than we are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Zeus is convinced that he's going to win. He knows he's the best dog. So why does he have to bother sabotaging Marmaduke, hypnotizing the audience? Because his last command to the audience from his trainer is, you're going to give Zeus a perfect score. And also, as we're about to see— that they've got an in with the with the judges. Like, there's one judge who's giving every dog zeros except for Zeus, who she gives a 100, and then sheepishly takes the extra zero away. That it's just a 10. You gotta but, have redundancies, Elliot. You gotta. That's so many redundancies. Yeah. Yeah, it shows a lack of yeah. confidence to me. So many redundancies. Yeah, that's true. But you're right. I guess in case the hypnotism fa- plan fails, mm-hmm. you've got your person on the inside. And in case that fails, you can sabotage Marmaduke, who is already the clumsiest, dumbest yeah. of the yeah. dogs. In case that the fails, one you, you can. Just be the prettiest dog already. With the, the yeah, it's it's almost like Zeus. The only reason to sabotage Marmaduke is if you know Marmaduke is the name of the movie that you're in. Otherwise, sabotage G, this amazing dog that can rap and also do martial arts. Sabotage the seductive yes, you Chantrell. Would think, yeah. So, Mar- speaking of Marmaduke, he is able to uh, re-enter the competition because his family are his trainers. And he does this like Wild West themed stunt show where King <laughs> Tut the Cat, who says. Uh, where they're like shooting bullets at him as he is playing the outlaw Blackbird. But every time he the... dodges a bullet, he says meow, which <laughs> I thought was very cool. So, this, yes. So this is playing off. Earlier we saw there's a game that Billy likes to play with with Marmaduke where he rides Marmaduke and pretends he's a cowboy and King Tut is an outlaw they're chasing. So they do this this stunt show where he's riding around a Marmaduke and there's a full section of the stunt show that is just Billy shooting real bullets at, mm-hmm. at King Tut as King Tut dodges them. It and says I, meow. And Marmaduke and says meow. And Marmaduke is just standing there. And if I was the judges, I would say disqualified. The cat is doing yeah. all the work. Yeah. Marmaduke is not doing any work. In the, but Marmaduke realizes that, I guess, because that's when it turns into an epic dance party. It does turn into an epic dance party, which obviously is great. Everybody's into it. Even Zeus can't help himself. He has to dance yeah. along despite, and, you know, despite himself. And I, we've all been there. You know, you hear a song where you're like, it, yeah. I hate this song. And by the end of the thing, you're like, since you've been gone, you know. Or that, that Saturday night's going to get it. What's that, uh, that, that song from a- fighting. No, no, the one uh, Uptown Funk. That's the Uptown one I'm talking about. Funk. Uh, Uptown oh, okay, Funk, sure. which is an objectively bad you. song. It's yeah. an objectively bad song, but you can't help but dance to it because mm. it taps into the amygdala, I guess. But I mean, otherwise, I like it less than Since You've Been Gone. I know that Stuart probably just pulled the first thing out of his mind. He doesn't I kind of pulled the first thing out of my mind. I mean, Since, since You've Been Gone is not really a like one. a dance song. It's not yeah, really a dance song. I guess song. you're right. Yeah. But a song, a song like YMCA, <laughs> Thanks which for my children my are obsessed with. Yeah, well, I just, I can't, I cannot, I cannot truck with any insult to that, that great, great and, ditty. <laughs> and the dance, the, the great, you're like, that great, 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 that what's great the word? Ditty, that grandpa, possibly... Your grandma and grandpa used to Charleston too, since you've been gone. 
You're like, what's what's the what's the word that could possibly do justice to this magnificent? I wish opus? the Kaiser Diddy. would go. So Marmaduke's performance. <laughs> so, wait, oh, everybody so wait, loves Marmaduke's it. Performance, it ends with indoor fireworks in a very yeah. small arena. The fireworks are literally going off in people's faces. This is which that's animals so are known for being very cool with. <laughs> yeah, animals love fireworks. So yeah. uh, and. We we rewound this multiple times to make sure. At no point do they show Marmaduke's score. Mm-hmm. No, no, not they so. All st- there's a standing ovation, but we don't actually know what his score is. So because the, because to give it a, to give it a number value would be to insult the, the integrity it, yeah, and the beauty it. of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's why like I prefer review sites that like stop giving uh, records or movies like a star rating and instead are just like here's what it's all about. Like you make yeah. up your mm-hmm. own mind. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so. Uh, so we do the final judging. Zeus wins, of course. Uh-oh. But Marmaduke realizes that one of the judges is just one of Zeus's trainers in disguise. Reveals that, and Zeus is disqualified. Uh-oh. So G wins. That's crazy. Okay, he's not even the main <laughs> character, but he is yeah. magic. Um, and then Zeus tries you, to steal the trophy. And they want this movie to be shown in Chinese theaters, I assume. Yeah, so you gotta true. have the Chinese dog win, yeah. So Zeus tries to steal the trophy, only for Marmaduke to use the magical kick technique that he had wanted to learn and he was obsessed with. Oh, wait, with. did we ever mention that Xi has telekinesis also? Uh, I mean, I mentioned, said magic yeah, a couple times. I guess telekinesis kinda, is a little different. Yeah, it's like he is the force. Yeah. Yeah, it's never really explained other than the fact that he is genuine, generally Chinese mystic type. So yeah. it's like... That it's just assumed that he can he has magic and can control objects from afar. And instead of removing the judge's fake wig, he instead uses his telekinesis to make a shampoo That's bottle. A good point. Go over to Marmaduke, so Marmaduke can what throw it, yeah, so he throw can it so trip the on wig it. Comes off. Mm-hmm. It's like a butterfly That's right, effect yeah. thing. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Marmaduke, really. Marmaduke stops. Uh, Marmaduke manages to stop Zeus, but in the ensuing chaos, a cameraman on a platform. Is about uh, is about to come crashing down, and Marmaduke pushes Billy out of the way, only to be crushed by the falling cameraman. What? Marmaduke is dead. Everyone surrounds him. <laughs> Phil does a eulogy over Marmaduke's dead body, and everyone starts to <laughs> so fucking Stuart is cry. saying this as if he's making it up as he goes along, but this is exactly what's happening in the yeah. movie. Even Guy is watching this on TV, and despite being covered in bandages like an invisible man, he is crying his little <laughs> eyes out. But it turns out Marmaduke— I like the implication that the invisible man can't cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, if you uh, can't see his tears, is he really crying? Uh-huh, yep. Oh, that's a good point. I've, I, my, this is another—so not to talk about my kids too much. Another, they've been really into the invisible man lately. We watched the original Claude Rains movie. They loved it. And they find it hilarious that the invisible man is naked all the time. And yep. they, uh, I think now they have something to aspire to. You said, is to you, be said invisible you watched, so they can not you watched Hollow Man is what you said. You watched with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I showed them Hollow Man. I said, oh, you got to see the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so. And my kids were like, we thought we were watching the Elizabeth Moss Invisible Man. And I was like, no, no, no. You got to watch them in order. <laughs> yeah, Elliot's like too woke for you guys. Uh, so, uh, Phil does his eulogy over Marmaduke. Marmaduke actually is not I'm watching Hollow Man and I'm going, this isn't based on the T.S. Eliot poem. Hold on Uh a second. Yeah. Um, so Marmaduke wakes up. Everyone is happy, except for Zeus, of course. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, so Marmaduke wins the day. Everybody loves him. Okay, now we get end credits, guys. Although, speaking of plot threads that aren't resolved, I guess we are to believe that the trainer just forgives the debt because now he loves Marmaduke because... As we said, Marmaduke didn't win the big prize, so that yeah. is just left hanging. 
I mean, we could only assume he's going to get some kind of sponsorships, and they can pay. We can, they can pay that bill. I guess. I mean, Marmaduke but, you know, goes put on like to, a line goes, in the movie. <laughs> like, I mean, Marmaduke goes on to become a huge movie star. So yeah, I feel like so. Yeah. Speaking as we mentioned, there was like a funky Marmaduke song, which is how these end credits began, until <laughs> the song changes to a Marmaduke rap by Pete Davidson. And it is one of the worst things I've ever heard. <laughs> and I can only assume it's some kind of like elaborate fucking troll of Kanye West or something that he's like, I'm going to do the <laughs> shittiest rap possible. And he is going to have to listen to it because he hates me so bad. And he's going to have to listen to this whole fucking thing. And it is the worst. <laughs> Guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good, that's a good theory. I think it's, because it is. He I, approaches this rap with the level of energy that, like, I don't know that I make like ordering something at a fucking Shake Shack or something. I don't know. Oh, look, online. I mean, I to, in, Pete I, in Pete Davidson's defense, how much energy should he bring to the Marmaduke rap in the end credits of the Marmaduke movie? I was trying to find the lyrics to the Marmaduke rap, which I couldn't find, but I did find I can get the chords to the Marmaduke rap <laughs> if you want me. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the fucking to, like, guitar tablature. And play. <laughs> Okay, that so that was that was Marmaduke. Everybody, hooray, we did it! Yeah. Well, and wait, wait, and during the credits, during the credits, there is a uh, oh, yeah. there is a series of fake movie posters for Marmaduke movies. Mm -hmm. Now that he's a he's a big movie star, and there's not exactly an end credit scene. There's just a little bit of footage of him eating, I think. But uh, watching this on Netflix, Netflix. Anytime the credits start, it's like, you want to watch a trailer for another movie, right? Yeah. Let me skip right to it. So I had to keep rewinding in order to finally catch the most no, almost non-existent end credits scene yeah. ever. Thanks, Netflix, for, for doing that. I appreciate it. And it's also brought up, I want to point out that all of like the movies in like, for the movie posters are all movies that are at least 20 years old. Like There's no <laughs> yeah. new movie that Marmaduke has been. So they're like parodies of existing movies. Yeah, it's like Jaws yeah. is Paws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's a, there's a spider, spider Marmaduke. Uh, you know. I think that's. I think there's Fast and Furious, which is yeah. a joke that predates the Fast and Furious movies because mm -hmm. that was the name of a, yep. of a Wiley Coyote Roadrunner cartoon. Mm -hmm. You know, in the 1950s. So uh, and oh, arguably sorry. inspired the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It. So that's. I will say though, uh, there was part of me that, as the rap was going on, was like, "Well, you know what." Pete Davidson, I guess, is earning his money here because there's yeah. no way that anyone is enjoying doing this. And it's a long rap. It goes on for yes. a while. Yes. No, I I, 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 did I feel like it's a bit. I did have that thought that like, <laughs> wow, they actually convinced him to do this because I bet Pete Davidson could have put his foot down saying, no, I'm not going to do a rap about Marmaduke. They already have a funky <laughs> I mean, Marmaduke song. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but also I have to assume that once you've got Pete Davidson signs to do your Marmaduke movie, he's a broken shell of a man. He's going to do whatever you tell him to do. Yeah. You know? I don't there's, know. He seems I, like I he's doing like his, okay. <laughs> his mistake was saying, hey, yeah, I'll do the voice for that Marmaduke movie. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, Final Judgments, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie you kind of like? You know what? In Wait a second. Do you think this is why... Do you think this is why... Um, he, why Kate Beckinsale was dating him to get him to do the Marmaduke to movie. Marmaduke. <laughs> oh, maybe that was it. <laughs> to get close to Marmaduke. Loves, must love dog. She says. Mm -hmm. Was she in that? Mm -hmm. I can't even remember. I'm gonna say <laughs> I don't probably so. not. Uh, anyway, <laughs> probably not. Like, Let's look it up. You, if you no scope must. that shit and you just like <laughs> love. That was Diane Lane was the female lead. <laughs> yep. 
John oh, Cusack. I see. Oh, remember when but she and Pete Davidson dated? John Cusack. <laughs> I think because serendipity, serendipity was John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. I, that was my six degrees of Marmaduke that oh, I was okay, doing. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, I'm an idiot. Sure, sure. I get it now. Anyway. Uh, I don't know how anyone – now I don't understand how anyone doesn't make that mistake. Final judgments. I'm going to say, look, if this if this occurred way earlier in our Flophouse career when I was less beaten down, I might say – this is a good bad movie because it is legitimately very strange and like <laughs> to for for Netflix to put this out with some name actors like it is wild that it is as bad as it is but uh even at 88 minutes it's just too much i would say if you're curious maybe watch some highlights you have netflix already i'm pretty sure uh just fast forward through <laughs> Watch a little bit, maybe the tsunami, maybe the farting. I don't know, uh, and then go about your day. But what what do you guys have to say? <laughs> go about your day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After this is what curiosity. you're doing first. Thi- first thing in the morning. This yeah. is what you're doing. Start the day off right with a little barbecue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a bad, bad movie. I mean, I've, this obviously, I'm not the target demographic. I'm not. I don't know a child. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of sick child. <laughs> Some monstrous freak. Uh, but yeah, so no, this is a bad, bad I don't know movie. What, no what thanks. Kind, am I some sort of hideous thing, a warning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah slouching towards Bethlehem. <laughs> uh, Elliot, so what do you I, think? I'm going to say bad, bad movie. This is, I, I didn't find it as as goofy as as Dan did. And there were, this is one of those movies where there were many times during it where I was like, I can't, I cannot believe that I'm spending my time watching this. But you know what? On a I've holiday weekend. Flop- <laughs> on a holiday weekend, yeah, for the Flophouse listeners. This is how I'm spending my post-Thanksgiving uh, is is watching this movie. But there are time I go back and forth with these movies all the time because I'm like, I don't like that they exist. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's work for people. Like, they're making money off of it. Like, there's somebody needed the work that this created. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, like many animated movies, I'm sure that they push the animators to deliver things at an unrealistic deadline. Yeah. And maybe that's the reason why it looks so crappy. Uh, but... And for a too low a budget, so I don't know. I'm re- I'm a real mixed I'm a real mixed bag on this movie. Except that uh, I agree that it's terrible, yeah, and it's I think terrible. that the zero point nine rating on Letterboxd was Charitable. a bit high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah it was a bit I mean, too generous. Like I I was at my bar and I was leaving, uh, and I bumped into a podcast listener, Will. Sorry, I couldn't stay and talk, uh, but I had to leave because I had to run home to watch this thing. So I missed an opportunity for actual human connection with another person. In exchange, and instead, I got Marmaduke. Well, I mean, you got <laughs> yeah. I think I think you got all I, this I human connection only... with us as a result. Oh, of that's true. This is yeah. This is the, yeah, this is the real. Yeah, one. <laughs> but no will. Uh, I I can only I can only th- congratulate myself. I'm earning that world's greatest dad mug by not letting my son watch this movie with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much as I also didn't let him watch the monsters with me, although he was less interested in that one. <laughs> for a movie. Oh, I got you. Uh, there's that new foreign film with the time travel. There's an amazing documentary about queer history on streaming. Have I told you about this classic where giant robots fight? Or there's that one that most critics hated, but I thought was actually pretty good. Ooh, 
couple I know. The one with the huge car chase, and then there's that scene where the, the car, car jumps, jumps over, over the submarine. submarine. Wow, who are you eclectic movie experts? Well, I'm Ify Wadiwe. I'm Drea Clark. And I'm Alonzo Duraldi. And together, we host the movie podcast Maximum Film. New episodes every week on MaximumFun.org. And you actually just walked into our recording booth. Oh, weird. Sorry. I thought this was a video store. You seem like a lady with a lot of problems. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depresh Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Hey, the, the 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 podcast, the Flophouse, the one you're listening to, that's the podcast I'm referring to, is sponsored, uh, <laughs> is 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 made possible in large part by listeners like you who have joined the Entirely. Maximum Fun Network. Well, but we also get a little bit from uh, sponsors. Which oh is, yeah, you're right, sponsors. Which is the other thing that I'm trying, the idea I'm trying to introduce. Uh, oh. And our sponsor this week is uh, Microdose Gummies. Uh, you've probably heard about microdosing. If not, know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. Our show is sponsored by Microdose Gummies, which deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. If you want sort of the mood-elevating effect, the uh, boost your creativity, the sleep help that uh thc gummy can give you but you don't want to be let's say a little too uh addled maybe a micro microdose gummy is good for you uh i like them they're available nationwide microdose is available nationwide to learn more about microdosing thc go to microdose.com and use code flop f-l-o-p that spells flop to get free shipping and 30 percent off your first order Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code FLOP. Uh, I think that there are a few plugs, including uh, Stuart. Let's start off with this one. Yay! So it's that time of year. That's right. The holiday season, oh. baby. Woo! Uh, and <laughs> to celebrate, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, mainly me and Tan are going to be doing a little party over on my Twitch channel on Wednesday night, uh, what, December 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and we are going to be hanging out in Dan's kitchen. Dan is going to be cooking up a feast while I, I don't know fuck with him. Uh, we're going to be making <laughs> cocktails. We're going to be goofing around. Um, and we invite you to join us. My Twitch channel is Stuart Wellington uh, over at Twitch. And you can also, I'm sure we'll put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Uh, and it's just going to be, you know, like an hour or so of us hanging out and answering questions and goofing off. Yeah. If you ever, if you like the flop house, but you're like, I want it to be a cooking show. Now's your chance. Exactly. I, the thing is I've been pushing Dan to do more cooking based content on various platforms and he fights me. Mm -hmm. So this is my chance. This is me tricking him into doing yeah, it. Bite his hand. And Urgh. maybe a special <laughs> guest might show up. <laughs> special guest might be Elliot. Possibly if we can get the technology to work, that'll be an exciting cooking show uh for our yeah. spin-off the cookhouse and it's mm -hmm. you know it's it's a it's just a free little extra show <laughs> as a holiday thank you to listeners 
Um, anything else to plug, guys? I I have an I have a a temporary D plug. Unfortunately, I've been mentioning on the last few episodes that uh my new comic book Maniac of New York. Don't call it a comeback. Number one comes out December seventh. I've received the unfortunate news that the publication is being pushed slightly uh, to a later date. Oh, no. I don't know when yet. So do if you go on December seventh and to your local comic book store and they don't have this book, do not get mad. Do not get sad. Just stay glad because it will be coming at some point. It'll still I be rad. You no, know. it'll still be rad. Uh, uh, I'll let you know at some point when it's coming out. But that publication date is TBD, which means to be Dan. So mm-hmm. Dan, I guess you're the publication date. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, thanks. Which means you're my date to the to the publication party. That's when we have a party next to the printing press where it's being printed. It's very loud. It hurts your ears. But you're my date. You got to come with me. Okay. Uh-huh, sure. so, why don't yeah. you wear that? Uh, why don't you wear that slinky backless number? You know, I like so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta fight it. I uh, mean, the printing press is hot. You're gonna want no back yeah, on yeah, your dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just don't back up onto the press. Yeah, of course my... not. You don't want to get uh, burns. <laughs> I mean, it's a general. It's a general, just good, good idea, just not to touch a printing press when it's working. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? Or should we move? Can we move uh, on? I think we can move on. Okay. Uh, this next part of the show is letters from listeners like you, like us. Uh, well, I mean, you're not. I guess you do you listen to the show? Sometimes. Okay. Well, I guess yeah, if you wrote a letter in, maybe I would read it. But uh mostly non uh, What if I write one listeners. right now? Dear Dan, this is mm-hmm. Elliot, your co host on the show. No. I have a question for you and the other floppers because I'm such a channels. big fan. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> so, oh, so you won't take it now? All right. Yeah. I'll send you my letter off the air then, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, this first one is It's from gonna be a really good question. <laughs> Matthew last name withheld. By the way, I wanna I wanna say nor I, I'm not very good at it a lot of the time. I try and get the letters out to And by it you mean everything? <laughs> yeah. I try and Just get the kidding. letters Dan's out good at a lot of things. To Stuart and uh Elliot a little bit before we actually tape so they can think about any questions that may be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh I forgot this time because I was on break and too busy not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Dan was Dan was so not busy that he forgot to do forgot yeah. to do it. I think that people understand. I mean, like I if, you, if you have like a, a schedule, he's it's in vacation to, brain, dude. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's something that something that I was once told by a famous person: you get better service in a busy busy restaurant. Yeah. So, so like when there's a lot going on, it's easier to stay on task. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I apologize that you know maybe uh, these won't be as I haven't given enough time to reflect, but we'll see. <laughs> You're like the first question is Stuart and Elliot. Can you write me a five paragraph essay explaining <laughs> this thing? Yeah. Oh, right now off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, this is from Matthew Last Name Withheld, who writes Ahoy Peaches. I have to assume Matthew Lesko, famous mm-hmm. for sending out books about free money you can oh, get from the government. Does he have a suit that looks like money? He, uh, does, he has a suit with question marks. Yeah. Oh, like a, like a Riddler. Oh no, maybe it's. Oh no, maybe it's money on it. Uh, you know, it's question marks. It's question marks. Yeah. Suit. Yeah. 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 Maybe to him, questions are money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you know, you know the old saying: you can't. It takes questions to make money. Yeah. This is from because the question <laughs> is usually, "How do I make money?" <laughs> Yet again, Matthew says, "Ahoy, peaches." I had a great time listening to your recent oh, he's the ship's captain. episode about the Munsters. Because I'm slightly younger than you guys, I watched my old Munsters returns on TV land rather than Nick at Night. In those days, the channel ran promos for the Munsters that poked fun at the show's premise by way of explanatory lyrics set to the tune of the show's theme song. On reflection, I realize that my memories of these promos are much more vivid than my memories of the show itself. 
Which mm. brings me to my question. What are some examples of movie advertising that struck you as particularly clever or memorable? This could include trailers, posters, or anything else. Bonus points if it was much better than the movie deserved. Floppily yours, Matthew, last name withheld. I want to... Mordecai, right? Mordecai, with all, where <laughs> all, all the cast mustaches. have all mustaches. People yeah, love that mustaches. shit. Mustaches, yeah. People felt people went crazy for that little mustache. Just mustache fever swept <laughs> the nation. Yeah. This actually, you know, this was not mustache a movie. Mustache fever. Bow now, now. That was the hit song from Mordecai. Yeah. Uh huh. This is a movie that was made before I was uh, around. I'm going to look it up. Uh, the actual date, 1978. Okay, the year of my birth. Magic. I did not see it at the oh, time, yeah. but this is a like famously a uh, a television ad that is scarier than the movie. I would argue. Magic's a fun movie. Good. It's Anthony, fine. It's an okay movie. Anthony Hopkins' yeah. performance. William Goldman uh, wrote it. But the look up the Magic TV <laughs> ad and see how, why it traumatized a generation. Uh, that's the one I thought of. You that's a good, that's a good one. That. That is a much. It promises a much scarier movie than the, than what actually results. Yeah. Uh, I, similarly, uh, this won't come as a surprise since I've now written uh, three volumes of a comic book, roughly based on the promise of this ad. Third volume, of course, coming out TBD. Uh, the Jason Takes Manhattan advertisements. They just promised Jason taking Manhattan in a way that he didn't in the movie Jason Takes Manhattan. And so, yeah, I mean, that, spoiler alert, ads, but that's okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the movie's not very good. Uh, but the those ads really, like, when I was younger, yeah, they really um, burrowed into my head. There's a, I feel like there's a, I'll think of some other ones. Stuart, what else have you got? Oh, man, I got to do something other than Mordecai? I mean, that's <laughs> such a fucking just, banger. You don't have to, if you want to go with the joke answer, sure, that's fine. fine. I was going to, remember this, Stuart, that I, I wasn't the one who gave you a hard time for once. Yeah. Um, this one's from Duncan, last name with hell. Okay, Duncan, Idaho. Duncan Hines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nope. I, <laughs> that's crazy. Duncan, Idaho, Duncan Hines. You put Hines on Idaho potatoes. Oh my Lord. Whoa, whoa. We're through the looking glass, everybody. What? <laughs> this is, oh, I this is wheels gonna, within wheels. I thought you were going to construct a name called Hines, Idaho. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's Duncan, Duncan, Idaho's German cousin, Hines, Idaho. Yeah. Yep. Uh, against my better judgment. Why, why, I, do I, why do I not also become a giant kind of clone worm? <laughs> <laughs> against my better judgment, mm -hmm. I've continued to watch the Marvel movies, and as a result, been steadily driven insane with confusion, with the confusion that's now arisen with the whole multiverse concept. I can no longer tell which, quote, version of a character it is I'm seeing, and I frankly can't see how any action that takes place in this movie's has any consequence since it can be easily retconned by bringing back dead characters or objects or worlds. I know the point Welcome is probably to comics. Just, yeah. I know the point is probably just to stop thinking and watch the glowy things go boom. But I thought since you guys seem to have a very special set of comic related skills, I'd put the question to you. How do I make sense of this nonsense in my mind? And if you were in charge of the MCU, what would you signpost of viewers uh, uh, to help them with what they're seeing, i.e., would one parallel universe have a prefix to their titles like Dark World or something? Well, not that. They already use it. Much love. <laughs> Wasting brain space in Australia, Duncan. I mean, I, my response is what Elliot has already hinted at. Like, this is just what comics are. <laughs> They've been retconned so yeah. many times. You just yeah. can't 
get like the the longer something goes on, the bigger the world gets, the more unwieldy. So you can't like that stuff's all just fun stuff to have in the back of your head if you want it. But you should live in the moment, dude. <laughs> just well, it's, and also, live in the I moment, think it's, dude. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Live in the moment, dude. I think part of the problem is I think there is a real issue. I think with people who are not used to those concepts, yeah, now being confronted with them, and the movie is, I agree, not doing enough of a job of differentiating those multiverses. In the in the comics, there's always the evil universe, there's the version where somebody else has the costume, a different member of the supporting cast has become the hero. They've hinted at that a little bit, uh, but I think part of the problem is that, especially in like Multiverse of Madness, a bunch of those multiverse characters that we're seeing rely on knowledge from previous iterations of these characters. Like mm-hmm. if you're watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, you only know things from Marvel movies, it's not going to be fun to you that Patrick Stewart comes out to the X-Men theme song from the 1990s in the yellow floaty Uh wheelchair it's not gonna be fun to you that reed richards a character you have never encountered before shows up the smartest man in the world being played by john krasinski (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's fine but uh, i think that there's a there's a level of uh of this concept that they I i think they are not doing a great job of like making the most of it in a simple way that doesn't require a lot of extra knowledge. But you're right. This is what being a comics fan is all about. And what's amazing to me is that, so the Marvel Universe has existed for 14 years in the movie world with the first Iron Man. And in 14 years, they've managed to get to the point that Marvel, that the Marvel Comics Universe took 30 years to get to. The 1990s, when there were too many books, too many different versions of characters, the continuity was too thick, and people started losing interest because the quali- overall quality was going down and there was just too much to keep track of. And it's like, oh man, movies are so much more efficient than comic books. It took them <laughs> half as yep. long to yep. get to a point of incomprehensibility to the to the casual viewer. But I think that if I was in charge of the Marvel movies, what I would do is like simplify it quite a bit. I think they're forgetting that the, the one of the things that made them so successful was getting us in, invested in the characters before the characters started interacting and getting all put together and that yeah the first kind what's the first kind of nod to an easter egg nod to someone is that when like captain america's shield shows up for like a second in was it iron man 2 or something that like those things were handled as like wink you don't need to know about this but wink whereas now when star fox and pip the troll show up at the end of eternals it's incomprehensible or like when um uh with like i was saying stuff with like the Patrick Stewart shows up not even as the Professor X from the X-Men movies, but as the Professor X from the cartoon show from the 90s. It's just so um, you're in the thicket when you could just be not putting as much plot weight on that and not treating it like each movie is the important thing in each movie is not the plot or what happens with the characters, but instead what new character from the Marvel Universe is going to be introduced. I feel like now the once it was like once I found out that Namor was in uh, Wakanda Forever part of the interest in seeing it went down for me because I was like, okay, well, I know the next building block that's being introduced. That's, you know what? I don't, I, I, the, I don't trust that those movies are going to give me like a full character story anymore. Maybe that's a bad example. See, I haven't seen it and I heard it's good. Yeah, I well, I liked Wakanda Forever quite a bit, but I, I, I wouldn't, Namor, like I don't care so much because he's like given full villain weight, you know, like sure, mm-hmm. introduce him in this as the new villain and then he can be in future movies the thing that more people have had problems with, I didn't have so much because I liked performance, but like they're introducing the character of Ironheart in it as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the new thing with these Marvel movies is let's introduce a character that's going to 
then have their own thing yeah, as a supporting character in a established thing. And I understand the thinking about that, especially when it's these characters that have less general name recognition. But if you look back at like Guardians of the Galaxy, like they just introduced them in their own movie, gave them their own time, and just trusted that the thing is, if it's a good enough movie, then people will love yeah. the characters by the end of it. I'm- I'm going to go back even farther, Dan. If you go back to every single movie before Iron Man, Mm. almost every single movie Uh introduced new characters in that movie, got the audience to care about them, (laughs) and then told a story with them. Like the idea that you need to introduce – especially now that the Marvel Universe is such a brand. You can just release a Marvel movie, and I don't think you need to do it interlocking jigsaw style. But – the fa- that it's the thing I've talked about before that I'm always amazed about the original Star Wars is like when Star Wars A New Hope came out and it was just called Star Wars. They didn't call it A New Hope because they didn't know uh-huh. they were going to make. There, there 20, weren't like annoying nerds. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, there were annoying new nerds, but they're talking about Star Trek. And okay. why isn't it on the air anymore? Uh, the We only have the same three seasons or whatever to look over over and over again. Yeah. Uh, how many? But uh, the when that movie came out, it's not like people were like, oh, great, the new Luke Skywalker movie is out, or like the new Han Solo movie. They're just like, what is this movie? And the characters got introduced to you, and within two hours, you're like, I love these characters. I hope that they're able to defeat the Empire, and then I hope there's a ton more of these movies, and then that they kind of lose sight of what the movies were about, Mm -hmm. and then they kind of become offensive at a certain point, uh, just in the way they deal with the audience and with their their love for the characters, and then that a bigger company buys this property and then makes too much of it, and it proliferates like a cancer, and Mm -hmm. like uh, that Star Wars metastasizes until it becomes unpleasant. I can't wait, but... That the the magic but, of that but movie eventually, is that uh, eventually they'll make a TV show that everybody seems to universally like. So it's, exactly, it's all yeah. worth it, you know. The, the, uh, the, but that that this magic of that movie is that it's just a movie that tells a story and you love it. And Marvel could be doing more of that, especially now that they have the audiences buy in that they like Marvel stuff. But I agree, like Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the the smartest thing about that is that even though at the end of that Thor movie they did do that thing where they go to the collector for some reason, mm. um, but the even Guardians of the Galaxy, there's like, hey, let's introduce these characters. They're fun. Let's have an adventure. Okay, the adventure's over. Goodbye. And that's yeah. a nice way to do movies. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to. So I would say, if you're having tr- uh, here's the and here's the ultimate thing. If you're finding the Marvel movies confusing and complicated, and you're having trouble keeping track of who's who in them, there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of other movies that you can watch <laughs> that stand you, on their own. I thought you, you don't have say, to watch them. If you're having trouble, remind yourself. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't you know, matter. Yeah, that too. Also, well, there's. I had a conversation with. Uh, I had a conversation with John Hodgson recently, where he was like, he's like, you don't have to watch. Uh, you don't have to watch uh, Ms. Marvel. It's fun, but it's not essential. And I was like, John, none of them are essential. <laughs> we can, like we can live without any of them. And so, so I think the a big. I think the Marvel. What I think what will fix the Marvel movies is if the audience starts to understand they don't need to service the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they kind of say, well, I'll come back and watch some of these when you get back to the level of kind of like excitement and thinking about it and thoughtfulness and care that you put into the first, what, like two, maybe three phases of this this yeah. thing? Or maybe yeah. two, what phase are they on now? Is it phase four that they're in or, I don't know. or phase I don't three know. that they're in now? None of it makes any sense. One of them. It doesn't make it. The but phases I see are a, made up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The phases Damn. are made up. It, it always it's, remi- it's all it, made up. Yeah, well, I know. It, it's, it is all made up. Even the good ones are made up, Dan. Yeah, they're not based on our true story. And even reality <laughs> is a story that we write day by day. Uh, so, the, but I, but I think if you break yourself out of the prison of feeling like, oh, I owe it to see all these things. I'm one of the greatest decisions I ever made in my life was when I didn't go see Man of Steel in the theaters because I was like, oh. 
I've got to go see this movie, but I know I'm not going to like it. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to go see this movie. If I know I'm not going to like something or even that there's something I'm going to like more than this, why don't I do that instead? And I never looked back and I never saw Man of Steel. And just knowing how much Stuart didn't like it has been a joy forever. No, it is true. Like to break it out of just this, like I, I think that as a human being, sometimes I get trapped in in ruts where I don't like I'm doing things without really examining why like if if there's a thing that you're thinking you're dreading or isn't giving you the joy that you think it should you know you can take a break from it maybe come back later it, your passion if you want to might reignite but you don't have to do something else do something even that this you podcast enjoy. yeah you yeah. should probably keep you know, your <laughs> no, membership. no, keep, keep on that. In fact, uh, pay more. But, but um, I, I feel like there's a number of things about being a nerd that used to be kind of badges of honor and have now, when nerds were outsiders, and yeah. now they have infected society at large. Uh, super, superiority complexes, resentment of other people, anger uh, at, at feeling left out of stuff, even when you're at the center of culture. And I think one of the one of the things that's infected modern culture is completism. As a nerd, I always feel the urge to like. I like this author. I better read every single book they've ever written. I like this this movie. I better watch every single movie in the series or every single episode of this TV show. And I think if we can break the idea that completism is a yeah not, is good or virtue or even necessary, and we can just treat entertainment as stuff that we can dip into whenever we want, then uh, media will be healthier yeah. in general. One thing that my therapist told me that I found very helpful was she said, "Just ask yourself what is going to make me happy today." Like, and that's like a powerful idea. Like you don't have to, you know, construct these plans and like be trapped by what you think is, is necessary. Like, sure. Obviously do the things you need to do to live and be responsible, but also think about today and, and what will make you happy. Don't feel like a weird obligation about your entertainments, your free time. Yeah, um, and and because th- because if you do, you might make a bad decision and suddenly end up 15 years later watching the animated Marmaduke <sighs> when you could be watching something that would bring you happiness. Yeah. And instead, you're 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 just trying to shield your children from Pete Davidson farting and shitting in a trophy. <laughs> I mean, to be clear, it's not Pete like Pete Davidson shitting in a trophy. What they didn't a, what a movie. that shit. <laughs> I have to assume that happens in his Judd Apatow movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Judd Apatow, and the reason that this is a connection <laughs> will will come to light later. Let's talk about uh, recommendations, <laughs> movies that we kind of like. Uh, I love that you're like, speaking of Judd Apatow, now let me put that segue on hold. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to clarify ahead of time, you, you, like to prevent you from jumping on me as you are wont to do, to be like, that has no, nothing no. to do with Judd Apatow. No, no, because, but I know exactly. I think I know exactly yeah. what you're what you're getting at uh, because of a conversation we had earlier outside of this podcast. That's true. <laughs> Recommendations: movies that we liked that actually might be worth your time and perhaps your movie going dollar. Uh, I saw The Fablemans recently, and I saw it at a uh, it was a guild uh, screening where Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg were there being, inter- uh, being interviewed by oh. Judd Apatow as the moderator oh. for the Q and a, uh, I will get back to that. Elliot's favorite filmmaker. Moving down to Judd Apatow. Won't we take me to <laughs> Judd Apatow? Won't you take me to Judd Apatow? It's a town that's oh, roughly God. 20 minutes too long. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I really liked the Fablemans. I, was kind of 
uh, a little leery of it because sometimes movies about the leery. magic of the yeah, movies. You don't like magic of cinema, huh? Magic of cinema movies can be a little <laughs> self-congratulatory and schmaltzy. And You're like, mm, cinema paradiso? More like cinema peri cinema paradickish. I mean, there are a lot zero of, stars, uh-huh. thumbs down. There are a lot of wonderful movies about movies, but it also can be a license to singing in the rain. More like stinking indulge. in the rain. Donnie Darko. More like Donnie <sighs> Dorko. I think well, how, is Donnie Darko's not exactly a I movie think about you the understand <laughs> what I'm saying. You're like making fun of me, but I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. And Spielberg, <laughs> who is a filmmaker of of great skill and who's made many wonderful films also can indulge his sentimental side certainly mm-hmm. um cinema mental side mm, i've seen minority report <laughs> <It's most sentimental laughs> what a sentimental movie <laughs> um but i also think that spielberg is a, a filmmaker that in a weird way like audrey brought this up recently and i think she's right that like he's become so big he's circled around to being like underrated in a way where people are like dismissive of him because he's you know the great crowd pleaser or whatever i mean even though he's done like a lot weirder stuff in the latter half of his i i think it's i think it's a combination of him becoming the establishment favorite one i think you're right once someone becomes universally acclaimed then there's a backlash against Mm -hmm. them much as martin scorsese has has been backlash now for daring to have an opinion about movies (laughs) that that people on the internet don't like that (laughs) how dare he how dare he how dare this man who's dedicated his life to cinema how dare he have (laughs) not only his own movies but like world cinema and getting in front of people and and preserving old there's a reason that we have a viewable copy of Vertigo, and it's and it's in large part because of his efforts. You I'm know? sorry. How many of C- of uh, Martin Scorsese's movies have a Deadpool in them? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good true. point. Case closed. Almost, almost none of them. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's and also that Steven Spielberg in the latter half of his career has made a he has he's been he's still an incredibly prolific filmmaker, and his movies are not always at the high average that he achieved. Yeah. Um, well, so be- I think that's why people start to underrate him. Yes. Yeah. But that being said, this uh, this was probably my favorite movie of his uh, going back to at least Lincoln, maybe catch, maybe earlier, maybe Catch Me If You Can. I, I really enjoyed it. I um, And it is far more unsparing than you would expect. Like the, the trailers make it like focus on the magic of cinema schmaltz, but it is much more actually kind of a – clear-eyed excavation of some of the more painful moments in his uh, upbringing. And I kind of admired how honest it was, how open-hearted it was to a bunch of like flawed people from his youth, including his parents, um, primarily his parents. Uh, and uh, I, just, I liked it quite a bit. And I, I to get, circle back around to Judd Apatow, I enjoyed the part in the Q&A where... Tony Kushner was talking about how he was worried that uh, Seth uh, Rogen was going to come in. Uh, you know, he's a supporting actor in the movie. He was going to come in. He was going to do a bunch of improv uh, because, you know, Tony Kushner's a writer, a very uh, respected writer, Angels in America, many other things. He was like, oh, Seth, Seth Rogen's going to come in and improvise all over it. And Seth came in and was like, 
oh, this is great. I can do it as written. I don't have to. I don't have to make it funny. Like it's it's a great script as written. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, they're like, Jed Apatow is right there on the stage, man. <laughs> yeah, what a slap in the face. But to to be to be to Jed <laughs> oh, Apatow. I'm used to I'm used to being presented pages of shit. Yeah. <laughs> that I have to put a, a gloss on. Well, to to Apatow's credit, he immediately jumped in and was like, Yeah, he's used Seth's use of my shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, Seth will make Apatow, this funny. But. For all the things that I, I don't I feel like I don't love uh, Judd Apatow's work, but I feel like he, he's never been a guy who's going to put on ears and be like, I'm just as good as Tony Kushner, the author no, of Angels in America. He seems like a very good-spirited... <laughs> I'm just as good as the man who made E.T., you know. Yeah, he was, a, he was a very good moderator. It was a fun time, and the, and the movie movie's great. So go out and see it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am going to recommend uh, what is currently my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I'm going to recommend Bones and All... The new Luca Guadagino movie. And you know me, I'm a big Luca stan. Uh-oh, I love all his movies. I'm a super freak for it. I would devour You're them. You're a real guano. Yep. You uh, watch Luca, the Pixar movie, uh, <laughs> under the misapprehension. That it was. Daring. I'm like, is that Tilda Swinton in makeup? What's going on? Uh, so, uh, how yeah. Make, how did they make her look like a CGI character? It's astounding. <laughs> She's incredible. Uh, so, uh, Bones and All is kind of like an outsider love story. Uh, set in the 80s, uh, where these uh, two kids who just happen to be cannibals uh, <laughs> managed to find some connection. And uh, Are they fine and young? They they are fine and young. Uh, one of them okay, is Timothy Chalamet. Um, and uh, does it get finer or younger uh, for the time being? He will get old eventually. It is, a, uh, it is a beautiful movie. It is a fucking gross movie. Uh, and it's also a super sad movie. I read a... Um, I read an interview with Luca Guadagino over at uh, Film Freak Central where uh, the interviewer, Walter Chaw, described uh, Luca Guadagino's movies as having a desperate romanticism. And I think this movie mm. totally exemplifies that, this like yearning for connection. And it uses the the scenery and kind of backdrop of the American Midwest as kind of like a, like a perfect palette for this. Um, and yeah, it's great. Uh, I found it very moving. Uh, there's also a, a very unexpected but very thematically appropriate uh, sequence where Timothy Chalamet dances around to the song Lick It Up by Kiss, which <laughs> it was very welcome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love it. It's great. And speaking of a uh, late period Spielberg, Mark Rylance is in it. Mark Rylance is incredible in it. Yeah, always good. And Mark Stuhlbarg. Rylance is an incredible actor. Oh, man, yeah. every, it's great. Two thumbs up. Elliot, your turn. Hey, guys, what would you do if a life-changing amount of cash literally fell into your lap one night? Would you become so determined to hold on to it that you'd embark on a trail of destruction? Is he recommending the Brewster's choice? fucking millions? <laughs> <Blank check. laughs> no. That's the choice Elizabeth Scott makes in Too Late for Tears, a 1949 film noir directed oh. by Byron Haskin and written by Roy Huggins, creator of the Rockford Files, Maverick, and The Fugitive. Elizabeth's Jane Palmer is hell-bent on achieving the post-war ideal of financial security, and she doesn't care who she has to kill or kiss to get it. But is this miracle money merely a harbinger of her own doom? It's a film noir, so... Probably, but find out for sure by watching the enjoyably tawdry Too Late for Tears, currently streaming on Tubi. Wow, that was nice and tight. Thanks. Yeah, that was nice and tight. Did you write that I'm one like down? My long maybe, time. maybe <laughs> I wrote it down ahead of time because I know I can get pretty ramply and loose. Uh huh. Well, uh, much like much like what Marmaduke put into that trophy, sometimes my recommendations can oh, get too rambly yeah, and loose. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been great. Before we go, I want to. <laughs> has it been? I want to mention yet again. In case people skip over the 
stuff in the middle where we t- our promos. Uh, Stuart. Yeah, we're doing a we're doing a Twitch stream. Uh, yeah. Me and Dan with special guest Elliot. Hopefully, uh, we're going to do a Twitch stream over at my channel, Stuart Wellington. Uh, on December 14th, it's a Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we're going to be cooking up a storm, having some drinks, answering questions, goofing around. Uh, please join us. And I also wanted to uh, remind people that the Sexy Xenomorph oh, yeah. uh, contest is still going on. That is to uh, do a, a music video for the song Sexy Xenomorph uh, by our producer, Alex Smith, and the three of us. Um, the song it, of the fall. The <laughs> the contest rules are available uh, on the website uh, under the Munsters uh, episode and show notes. Uh, I'll try and put them also separately on a on a blog section as well. Um, but uh, if you want to be part of that, uh, get your entry in, put it on YouTube, email us about it before New Year's. Again, all the rules are on the website. And I want to thank our network, Maximum Fun. Go over to MaximumFun.org. Look at all the great podcasts they have there. And then once you're done looking at them, listen to one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, also thank <laughs> Again, you. It's more of an audio more meeting. more of an audio thing. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I also wanted to thank Alex Smith, the aforementioned Alex Smith, who uh, did Sexy Xenomorph. But more importantly, uh, for us, at least, is our great producer. Um <laughs> And uh, puts all this stuff together. And he's like a good friend of mine. He was my best man at my wedding, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying for the the, okay. the, the entity, the flop house. That's how listeners know him. But um, anyway, for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Ellie Kalen. Uh, See ya. Rough, rough. <laughs> Way to tie it together. How about guys? How about if I just drop in and I'm not there the whole time? He'll be like, uh, what, David Bowie dropping by to sing a little drummer boy? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'll do. <laughs> what a terrible song that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, their version is probably the one I like the best, but it's not a good song. Anyway. Just because someone has no gifts to bring, Dan is not interested in their song. Yeah. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.